Welcome to the Victory Life Church Podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at vlcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. We're going to do something a little bit different today. As you know, we're opening our small groups. And one of the things that I want to do, us pastors want to do a better job at, and that is equipping you to be able to do things like opening up your home and being, being able to open up the Word of God and help someone in their relationship with God. And you're thinking, well, that's just not me. That's, that's something I can't do. But I'm going to show you how easy it is today. So we're going to open up to the book of Romans. Some of you, please, please at home, get a piece of paper. Some of you can use your phone. You know, you have that little notebook app. And you also have the sermon outline when you go to the VLC app. Press more, press Sunday, and then the outline. There are nine things on there. Now, don't freak out. Nine things you're thinking, wow, this, this pastor is going to go a long time. But there are nine things that I glean from these passages from 8, verse 8 in Romans 1, all the way to Romans 15. And I'm going to show you how you can, in your home, with your family, begin with your family, just open up the Bible, kind of pull back like Google and go, what is the main Thing that God is saying to me that I would like to share with others. Now, you want to be very careful that you bring glory to God. Think, I'm here to draw attention to God and make sure you're accurately interpreting in context what God is saying to the church and about himself and to you and me. So there are nine things that I saw. They're just very basic things that I'm going to introduce you to. I put a little title on it and I used the one word over and over and over again. I saw the word concern. And so I've entitled this message, Concern for Other People. So I want you to ask yourself this question. How concerned am I about other saints? Even the saints that are home, at home that can't get out. How concerned am I for my brother that, or sister that's sitting right next to me? How concerned am I that... For the times that we live in, things could be shut down so quickly and we need many, many homes to open up and be able to expound on the word of God. How concerned am I? So I want you to do this. There are nine things. And so I want you to think on a scale one to three. One, two, three. One, I don't care at all. One, I'm neutral. And one, I really do care. So if we have nine things and you were to grade yourself and you were to get... It all right, 100% right, how many points would you get? 27, thank you. Someone knows math here. So I want you to grade yourself on each point because our job is to teach and equip this, the saints. Remember we left off last week? All of you are saints. You're not sinners. And so we're going to read these verses, and you'll see, hopefully, where the Holy Spirit took me this week as I studied Romans 
chapter 1, beginning in verse 8. Paul is now, after introducing himself, he's now telling the saints in Rome, these saints he's never met, how much he cares for them. See if you won't agree with what the scripture teaches. Beginning in verse 8. Let me say first that I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith in him is being talked about all over the world. God knows how often I pray for you day and night. I bring you and your needs in prayer to God whom I serve with all my heart by spreading the good news about his son. One of the things I always pray for is the opportunity, God willing, to come at last to you. For I long to visit you so I can bring you some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. When we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to visit you, but I was prevented until now. I want to work among you and see spiritual fruit, just as I have seen among other Gentiles. Remember, that word means nations. Verse 14 and 15. For I have a great sense of obligation to people in both the civilized world and the rest of the world, to the educated and uneducated alike. So I'm eager to come to you in Rome. I'm very eager, notice that. I'm very eager to come to you in Rome to, to preach the good news of the gospel. May God add his blessings to the reading of his word this morning. Okay, we're going to grade ourselves. We're going to hit the road running. Number one, if you're looking at the outline, it's there. Concern about other believers. I want you to think on a scale one to three. How concerned am I about other saints besides myself? So when we read the first verse, so you're at home, you're opening the Bible, and you have three or four, five, six, seven other people sitting down, listening to you, and you're wanting to engage in conversation, so you want to teach them something, but you want to ask them some questions. So it says in verse 8, let me first say, Paul says this, God is speaking through Paul. He's communicating to the Romans how much he loves them, and Paul is communicating as a saint how much he loves them, even though he's not even there. Oh, do you really care about the saints in Texas in Nevada, in China, in Russia. Do you really care? He said he cares. He said, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith in him is being talked about all over the world. So you look at that passage and you go, okay, he's thankful. Oh, big deal. Well, are you thankful for other saints? I love to be around other believers and I'm very thankful for children of God and to be in a church with people that love God and serve God. So you ask them, are, are, are you thankful for other believers? Just ask them that question. Because superficial believers are seldom satisfied and therefore seldom thankful. 
I think about in our own prayer life or when I'm holding conversation on with someone or you turn the news on. Are they thankful for anything? They're not thankful for us, I can tell you. For believers, they're not thankful for the saints. They despise the saints. Paul had a very thankful heart. He also thanked them for their testimony. Don't, can you see that? That me say first that I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith in him is being talked about all over the world. So Paul is concerned about them. He's thankful to God about, their, about them. He's thankful for their faith. Now, if people had to talk about you, what would they say behind your back about your faith in God? Secondly, what would they say about Victory Life Church in Texas, in China, or actually down the block at another church? <laughs> I asked that question of someone yesterday, and I didn't get a good report. You opened up the church on Mother's Day, and you were bragging about it. I, I, I didn't think I was doing that. I honestly didn't. Do I get an amen out there or a little bit? We, I, I was scared to death to open up. But, but, but that's what some of the churches think about Ron Bremis, Pastor Ron, and Victory Life Church. I, I better do a better job at personifying what we're really about, who I really am. When you meet me, do I really want you to see the God in me? When I meet you, do I really want to see Christ magnified in you? Are you thankful? Do you care about my faith? about someone else's faith. You know, I love to see athletes, especially this time of the year. Super Bowl is used all around the world to advance the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think, can think of none other. I was going to wear my Tim Tebow shirt here today. And Tony Dungy. I think of two people. Tony Dungy has gone on record this week that he understands that his platform as a sports commentator and as a coach that won the Super Bowl, he said, it's nothing but a platform that I can lead people to Christ, Tim Tebow. Did everyone know what Tim Tebow was about? I mean, you, it's like the people in Rome. I mean, he wore John 3.16 on there. It was the most text site visited on Google. John 3.16, people wondered, what did it say? More than winning. He said that it was a platform for people to see God magnified in him. He did a lot of different things to prove that he loved Jesus Christ. What do people say about your faith? On a scale, one to three, what would you give yourself? What do you think about other believers in this particular passage let me say first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. Are you a thankful person for other believers? Are you thankful for their faith, for what you see in them? And do you pray for them in verse 9? Notice, God knows how often I pray for you. Day and night, I bring you and your needs before God, whom I serve with all my heart. Now, what do you see in that passage that you would explain to people sitting in your home? Do you pray for people? Think about it. Listen to people pray. What do they pray about? What do you pray about? If we're honest, would you say 75% of the time? 80% of the time, it's about who? Me, 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 me. La, 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 la. It's about me. 
my needs, my wants, my hurts. And it's not about others. Paul is saying, listen, I care about others so much that I lift up saints all over the world. When's the last time we prayed for saints that are being persecuted for their faith? I think some of us are more awake to that now more than ever because what's happening in our country. And he put all his heart into it. He just didn't breathe a, a quick prayer. It was like our 21 days of fasting and prayer. We literally were intentional about praying for others. And when we met in this place, we literally said, let's care for one another when we were in a group and let's care for the needs of Victory Life Church. Do you, and you're asking those in, do you pray for other people? And do you do it with intensity and with focus? Notice the, I put the word focus because notice in, in verse nine, he said, day and night, I bring you and your needs in prayer to God, whom I serve with all my heart, by spreading the good news about his son. We need to get back to the basics of the Bible in our homes and in the workplace in sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. So they zeroed in and focused on what would bring honor and glory to him. God wasn't impressed or is not impressed with my great outline or not great outline or the other great outlines of other pastors. But he's, he's interested in me speaking his word out loud, out loud because it will not return void. So on a scale one to three, and the first one, what would you give yourself? I care, I'm concerned about other believers. Mark it down, one, two, or three. Second one, you ask. I'm concerned about opportunities to meet with others, other believers. I mean, I literally care, God, it's on my radar. I want to meet with other believers. Notice in verse 10, Paul said this about those in Rome. One thing I always pray for is the opportunity, God willing, to come at last to see you. I know I called my son up this week and I thanked him. I said, Joshua, who lives in the fountains, and they're literally next on top of each other. And he's starting a small, he already has a small group, but he's starting a small group with his neighbors who are, many do not know Jesus. And he, he just says, come over to my house. We're going to have a little fun. And we may mention God. He has an ulterior motive. He wants to meet with them so he can communicate the word of God to them. And I said, wow, you bless me. You, you. You, you inspired me. You've encouraged me to get back on the bandwagon and pray for that opportunity for my neighbors. You know how many times I was going to throw a party for my neighbors and invite everybody and I didn't do it? You know how the Bible says invite, have a party and invite those people that can't pay you back. Just invite them over the house. Give them some steak and shrimp and lobster and then say, but, but, but listen, if you're going to eat my steak and you're going to uh, eat my lobster, I, I, I get 10 minutes. I got 10 minutes I want to share with you something. And do it before you feed them. <laughs> That's the trick. Do it before you feed them. I I've been dreaming about that. I need to make that dream come true. And not worry about what my neighbors think about me. I want to do that very soon. Now, we have done some things in our neighborhood. My wife and I, little packages with about 10 people around us. They know who we are. And they have been given the gospel in some form or fashion. But what an inspiration to see my son desiring to do that because he cares about others, those around him. 
Well, are you concerned about that opportunity to meet with other believers? Are you praying for that opportunity? Are you praying for that opportunity like I shared with you last week, one of our men saying, I've been praying, God, give me that opportunity in my neighborhood. Give me that opportunity at my workplace. So when you're in a small group, just ask them, hey, are you praying for the opportunity to meet with other believers or perhaps to lead someone to know Jesus Christ? Okay, on a scale one, two, or three, what would you give yourself? I am praying, I am concerned about the opportunity to meet with other believers. You can't wait to press on that little button. I can't wait to get in a small group. That means you're going to have to give up some of your time. You're going to have to sacrifice some of your television, favorite television shows, your favorite sports, your favorite hobbies. For me, that might mean giving up a little bit of pickleball. I don't know what it will mean for you, but you, you care enough. You're concerned enough that you might want to meet with other believers. You, you are concerned enough that you move everything out of the way so you can be here on a Sunday. Listen, on my wedding night, the next day I was in church. My commander-in-chief said, go to church on Sunday. So I was at church with my bride. That's how much God was working in me. And then I even went to a Bible study that morning. I didn't just go to church. I went to a Bible study. You see, it's not me. I'm not patting myself on the back. It's the Holy Spirit working me. I wanted to be around believers. I love the church. I drink the church. I work for the church. I sleep sometimes at the church when I'm supposed to be working. Okay, scale one to ten. Excuse me, one to three, one to three, one to three. I can't count to ten. One to three. Where would you put yourself about caring about an opportunity? Okay, number three. Look at verse 11. You're sitting in the home. You're talking to people. You just read verse 11 real calmly. You don't have to be a rocket scientist. You don't have to be a theologian. So Paul's saying, I long to visit you. Can't wait to go to that Bible study on Monday night. Not, oh, no, it's Bible study night tonight. Those who open their home all the time understand what I'm talking about. Sometimes, yes, it's, it's okay. Here it is again. It just seemed like yesterday that we met. But you really care about the spiritual growth in others. So verse 11 says, I long to visit you. Can't wait to come to your house so I can bring some vittles. Always come to my house with vittles. Or if I go to your house, I always want to bring something. So you bring some vittles so we can enjoy some food and fellowship. And he said, I long to bring you a spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. Okay, so the next question is, are you concerned about the spiritual growth in other people in your group, in your world that you live in? Do you care? In fact, are you walking with God in such a way that you literally have something to give to them. Paul said, I want to deposit something to you when I go to Rome. I want to give you something. I want to give you a spiritual gift. Do you even have something to give on a scale one, two, or three? So grade yourself about, I care about the spiritual growth in other people. I want them to grow strong in the Lord. What's our theme going through Romans? 
living God's way. Do you really care that people do live or do not live God's way? Are you concerned at all about them? Again, the title of the message is, I'm concerned for others, concerned for others on a scale one to ten, or one to three. Where would you put yourself? Okay, verse 12, you're sitting in the home, you're talking to people, they're reading with you. Remember, they like to read the Word of God. When they come in your home, again, it's not technically a Bible study, but when you're speaking to people, you want to deliver them God's Word. Let them see, let them look at what's in God's Word, because it's His Word that speaks loud and clear. The next one is concerned about being a blessing. Verse 12, see if you don't see that with me. Okay, so you're reading it. When we get together... I want to encourage you in your faith. But I also want to be encouraged by yours. Paul said, I want to be a blessing to you. How concerned are you about being a blessing to other saints? In order to do that, you have to act like a saint, live like a saint, and you need to be holy so you have something you can bless another believer with. Not always taking from other believers. But giving to other believers, you have to be a blessing in order to receive a blessing. Are you a blessing to other people? But notice, Paul wasn't so arrogant to think that the people in his group or the people in Rome, the people in your group, they will be a blessing to you. When I meet with people on um, Saturday morning with some guys and they're a blessing to me. Their hunger for the word of God, their, their desire to live out their faith, their desire to be a godly husband. That's their desire to be a godly employer, a business owner. They're blessing me with their hunger for God. So I want to bring a blessing. They'll tell me, hey, thank you. Thank you for opening up your doors. Thank you for giving us this lesson. Thank you for meeting. But I want to thank you. I want to thank you for being a blessing to me. You tell your group that when they're in front of you. You are a blessing to me. So I want to bring a blessing, and I want to receive a blessing. Do you see that in that verse? Was that hard? That didn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. I long to visit you so I can bring you some spiritual gift, and then I will help you grow in the Lord. And when we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, and I want to also be encouraged by yours. We all need to be encouraged by each other's faith. On a scale, one, two, or three, how bad do you really want to be a blessing to others? Okay, verse 13. I won't tell you what it is until I read it and then see if you agree with me. Verse 13. You're sitting in the house. Again, you're elaborating on God's word and you read this verse. I want, Paul says, I want you to know in Rome or you're telling the, the people in your house, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that I plan many times to visit you, but I was prevented until now. I want to work among you and see spiritual fruit just as I have seen among other Gentiles. And I get two things out of this. The first one is, I'm concerned about God's timing. Notice in that verse 13, the first part, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that I, I, I plan many times to visit you, but I was prevented until now. You talk about the Holy Spirit. We want the Holy Spirit to open up doors, and we want the Holy Spirit to close doors. We talk about that all the time, don't we? 
But you must be patient and be concerned about God's timing, not your timing. You could start something and be real sincere about it, but God may not be in it. Paul was sincere about visiting those in Rome, but it wasn't God's timing. In fact, be careful what you ask for. Paul said he wanted to go to Rome. He probably thought he was going to go as a tourist. He thought he was going to go as maybe a politician, but he went as a prisoner. Be careful what you ask for. Paul really wanted to visit Rome. God said, okay, you asked for it, you're going. And he went as a prisoner. And think about the people on the other side. They're waiting for some glamorous spiritual leader that's going to lead them in some revival. And instead, here comes the cops right to the plane. They go right from the plane to the car and right to the jail cell. Oh, that's my leader. <laughs> that's what people were thinking. That's why he says in verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of me because I'm in prison garb or I'm in prison. Don't be ashamed of me. In fact, in the coming days and weeks, we need to be careful about this particular idea. Don't be ashamed if all of a sudden I get arrested and you say, oh, he deserved it. We could have gotten arrested. I could have gotten arrested when we opened up on Mother's Day. There were people in our country being arrested. I just wanted to make sure I had my anxiety pills if I was going to get arrested. <laughs> No kidding. I went to jail one time. The first year I got saved, and then one year not, so, not too far back. And you go into this big place, and there's a big room. And then there's smaller rooms inside this big room. And all of a sudden, they were making people go in these smaller rooms. I go, God, please, I don't want to go in those little smaller rooms. And then I had to preach the next day. You're wondering, what were you in jail for? I didn't turn my blinker on when I was coming from Sawgrass Mall. I went from the center lane to the left lane and then put my blinker on in my high-top conversion van. A cop was behind me. A lady cop. A lady cop that didn't like pastors. <laughs> and so I pull over. The cop couldn't follow behind me, so I get out of the car and I look at my tags to make sure the, you know, everything was there. Someone didn't steal my tags. I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't speeding. She gets out of the car, like, like on Barney Fife. Get back in that van. I didn't know you weren't spying. I wasn't a criminal. I've been a Christian for 40 years. I, didn't, I don't know what it's like to be a criminal. Get back in that van. I said, okay, I'm sorry. Get your hands out of your pocket. I'm, I'm trying to relax. I'm trying to get her to be calm. And so I put my hands behind you. Get your hands out from behind your back. And, and then I go, oh, I had enough. Who are you? That's all. I didn't cuss. I didn't do anything else. She arrested me, put a handcuffs on me for saying, I mean, I could see she was a cop. I saw she had a gun. She was in a cop car. And I said, who are you? Because the way she, have you ever had anybody ask you that because you're a Christian? Who are you? Hmm. She didn't act like a cop, didn't talk like a cop, didn't smell like a cop. She cussed like, uh, I mean, like a sailor. And then they threw me in the Sunrise Jail. I got no phone call. Don't believe what you see on TV. No phone call. No attorney. Nobody called me. Then they put me in a paddy wagon and took me down. I got to preach in the morning, you know. 
They took me to paddy wagon, took me downtown to Broward Jail because, see, if you go to Broward Jail, they get money from the state and from the federal government if you stay more than about eight, nine hours. So they want to keep you there. And while I was in the paddy wagon, there's this guy in agony and pain. He's passing a kidney stone. I said, hey, I'm a preacher. Would you like me to pray for you? In a paddy wagon. And I prayed for him. He must have passed a kidney stone because he was quiet after that. Concerned about God's time, and he got me out of jail just in time. I said, Cheryl, please don't tell the church. Don't tell my family. I'm so embarrassed. No one's going to believe me. I went to jail for because I didn't turn my signal on, and they pulled me over. But I should have kept my big mouth shut by just questioning her. You're, oh. I'm not coming to your Bible study. <laughs> You know God opens doors and God closes doors in life. I saw that happen last year with this church. I saw it happen to JW. I saw that happen to Jacob. I saw that in our lives. I saw that happen in the church that uh, we rent to. That is the Korean church. Oh, did I see God open doors and close doors. We would like to see God open and close doors in this church this coming year. Amen. And in your life, in your life, I care about seeing God open doors in your lives. Whether it's getting a job, whether it's finding a, a godly spouse, whether it's receiving healing in your marriage, I want to see God open doors to where you're open to the Holy Spirit. Okay, we've got a couple more. Still have six minutes. I'm doing very good. About In that same verse, it says, concerned about trusting God with plans and success. Trust God. He's the one, when this church last year could have went like this, this church went like this last year. I can take no credit for it. I trusted God for the harvest. Notice in verse 13 what he says. And you need to trust God, whether it's one or two people come in your home, whether it's four or five people. It's not a popularity contest. I know I had one person come to my office for six months. One person. Invest in that person. Someone invested in me. And guess what? When they invested in me and took me in their home, I then went and got my degrees and now pastoring churches. That person is like my downline. Or excuse me, I'm his downline and I got some downline. Anybody know about downline? I see some of you prosperity people out there. My downline. I'm his downline. So whatever I do for the glory of God, he gets credit, eternal credit for so you need to trust God for those people that come in your home, whether it's one couple or two couples. Invest in them, love on them, care about them. Some of you, that's all you can handle is one or two at a time. And so notice in that verse, he said, I was prevented. I wanted to work among you and see spiritual fruit just as I have seen among other nations. If there's something a pastor wants to see in a church, and in individuals, and in a marriage, is spiritual fruit. What kind of spiritual fruit did Rome have? Starts with the F, and it's a good word. Faith. Faith. I, didn't, I thought about that after I said it. It's faith. Because I, those commercials shut the front door. 
And I saw, you have to be careful today, I understand. So faith, they were known about their faith. Concerned about trusting God with plans and success. On a scale, one, two, or three, where would you put? You're trusting God with the fruit of your labors, whether it's in business, whether it's in finances and you're starting to give and tithe to God, whether it's in children, whether it's in a move or I've been asking God, what do I do during a time like this if the dollar collapses? A lot of things go through my mind and as is going through your mind. What's happening in our country, amen? And I'm wondering, what should, if, if the dollar collapses, is it gold, is it silver, or is it land? Well, what am I going to do with the land if no one can be on the land? Or what am I going to do with the silver and gold if, if uh, no one's taking it? So, you see, I'm thinking about things. I need to trust God with what's coming down. Guys, I pray that you will be serious about this and pray with me that God will give us wisdom and discernment. I want to care for the flock. I want to care for my family. If there's, and we're going to put a group of guys together. We already talked about it yesterday. We're going to put a group of guys together that come up with basic things that we need to do if anything happens like happened last year. Amen? And we want to pass it on to you. We're not freaking out. We're not taking sides. You saw what happened last year. Could it happen again? Absolutely. And what about all these uh, new diseases coming around? Keep praying for this church. God has blessed this church. Amen. Let's give God a praise clap for that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for blessing this church. We've been practicing social distancing, all right. Just don't tell them how far we are practicing. Okay. Scale one to three, what did you give yourself? couple more concerned about other believers maturity other believers maturity notice in verse 13 again you're reading that to those in front of you he said "I I I want to work among you and see spiritual fruit just as I've seen among other Gentiles when I speak just like right now it may not be the usual sermon that I'm preaching on but I want to equip you I'm wanting to See maturity in you that you can say, I can open up my home and I can love on other believers and I can open up the Bible and I can read it and we can talk about it. That's all we do when us guys get together on Saturday morning. We read it and we talk about it and we apply it to our lives. It's as simple as that. I want to see some of you be able to open up your homes and say, you know what? I want to be equipped. I want to be ready to be a mature believer, and I want to equip other people to be mature believers. How concerned are you about believers' maturity in Jesus? One, I don't care. Two, I'm neutral. Three, I really care. How about concerned about his debt of love he owed others? See if you don't see that in verse 14. Ready? A couple more verses, and we're through. For I have great sense of what? obligation I have a great sense of obligation to people in both the civilized world and the rest of the world to the educated and the uneducated alike are you concerned about the debt of love you owe God and you owe others the apostle Paul in Romans 13 8 reminds us he said Owe nothing to anyone except, in this translation, it says, your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of the law. Paul had an obligation. You and me have an obligation to love others. The Bible says, in fact, it proves 
It proves, because you're concerned for others, it proves you're his disciple, right? He said, the proof that you're his disciple is what? That you love others. Paul went on to say in 1 Corinthians 9 that he had to do it no matter what. This is how obligated he felt. In verse, not chapter 9, verse 16, he said in 1 Corinthians, yet preaching the good news is not something I can boast about. I am compelled to do it. How terrible for me if I didn't preach the good news. Is that how you feel? Do you feel that obligated to a group in your home or to your family or to your neighbors that at some point, sometime, you need to preach the good news? How obligated do you feel on a scale one to three? Not at all? Kind of neutral? Or I'm passionate about my concern that they indeed hear the gospel. I have a debt. I'm obligated. I feel obligated because of my love for God. Okay. I believe this is the last one. Again, notice the word concern. Concern about always being ready to share the gospel. Where do you land on this in a scale one, two, or three? Concerned about always being ready to share the gospel. Notice in verse 15. So I am eager to come to you in Rome to preach the good news. So you're sitting in front of a group of people and you're reading this to them. I can't wait to go to my neighborhood. I can't wait to take the gospel, the good news to um, my workplace. I can't wait, this new friend that I just met, I can't wait to bring the good news of the gospel, not just make a friend, not just go out to eat, but I really, really care about whether or not they know God. I'm on the pickleball court. I do care, honestly. Those people, I'm praying for an opportunity. I told you there's a guy in a wheelchair out there. I have actually been praying, God, do you want to use me? Just tell me, tell me, move me. Let me pray for this guy and you heal him and let that be a platform that preach the gospel. I've been praying for that opportunity. But if you won't even share with your family members, if you're not even concerned about those you work with, then that opportunity probably isn't going to be presented to you. He said, Paul said in Acts 20, 24, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. We need to get back to the basics, folks, of sharing the gospel and equipping the saints. Sharing the gospel, equipping the saints. There should be about 20 of you that should be ready to say, I want to open my home and I could lead two couples or three couples or singles. I could lead them in the scriptures to understand the scripture. And number two, I could lead them how to share their faith with others. I told you this before, when I was on the job and I first got saved my first year, I thought it was my job to win everybody to Christ. I needed someone to tell me, hey, when you go to work, it's not time to talk. It's time to do your job. I didn't know that. I thought it was my time to do my job and talk. And so I tried to do both at the same time, and the, and the boss didn't like that, and he fired me. I said, this is like when I was lost. As I got fired probably from about 30 jobs before I got saved. Why? You guessed it, my mouth. Who knew that God was going to use my mouth for his honor and glory and preach the gospel of the Lord? That's the only, only gift I had. 
was my mouth. Well, I want to end with this. Here's the last passage we're going to read. So you have to grade yourself in asking yourself this question. How concerned are you about always being ready to share the gospel with others? Are you really concerned? When I see cars drive by, when I go out there on a Sunday morning and I see people riding bikes, I'm going, they think what they're doing is real important, physical exercise, and it is. But they're missing something very, very important, their spiritual health. Do you think that way when you rub shoulders with people at work? Do you think that way when you're talking to your neighbors? Do you think that way when you're around other saints and equipping them and inspiring them and encouraging them to share their faith? Here's what the gospel is about. This is the scripture I want to read and we'll end. Chuck Missler said, if you want to know what the gospel is, it's laid out very clearly in 1 Corinthians 15. That's the resurrection chapter, verse 1 through 4. Here's what he said. Let me remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It is the good news that saves you. Not your fancy preaching, not your fancy outlines, not your fancy home, not your fancy car, not your education. It's just you and God and the Holy Spirit working through you because you're preaching the good news that saves. And if you continue to believe the message I told you, unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. Here's the gospel now. I passed on to you what was most important. This is what we need to zero in on, church. What is it? Christ died for our sins just as the scripture said, he was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture teaches. Paul was determined to let people understand that. He said, love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove that you are my disciples. So what did you grade yourself on the scale? One, two, or three? Now the big picture, the title of this morning's message is Concern for Others. How concerned am I? How concerned are you about the saints? And how concerned are you about others? God will cause you to be that way when you get into fellowship with Him. He will cause you to care for others. Because when you're not saved, you don't care about anybody but you guessed it yourself. Let's pray. Would you stand with me at this time? Father, there may be someone looking in online for the first time. We live in a very me-oriented generation. I, iPhones, iPads, I, I, I. But you cause believers to think about others. So I pray that you will raise up people in Victory Life Church that will literally be concerned about the spiritual well-being of other believers and about sharing the gospel in the plantation, Sunrise, Tamarack, Coral Springs, Pembroke Pine, West, Weston, and Fort Lauderdale area. Please give us a compassion and a care for those you want us to care for. Raise up some of the believers here that will say, I am ready. I know I can share the good news of the gospel by just opening up the word and talking about it. And watch you, Father, watch you go to work 
on all of our lives, including the one that's hosting it or the one that's facilitating it. As Paul said, I want to get blessed and I want to bring a blessing. People don't know you as Lord and Savior. Father, please remind them right now to confess their sin. Acknowledge that they're a sinner. Believe in the cross that Jesus died on their behalf, took their punishment, took God's wrath. And you're willing to give them the gift of eternal life, Father. Remind them of that if they will believe that Jesus took their punishment on the cross. And then finally, if you're listening, just ask God. Whoever calls on the Lord will be saved. And he will save you right where you're at. We're going to continue in worship and prayer in the home here up front. We want you to come up front and pray. And pray that the anointing of God will continue to be upon this church. Pray for his protection of hedge of protection about our health. Pray for his protection about the resources. Pray what he wants us to do for such a time as this. Will you continue to worship God as we sing, as we pray, and as we read scripture. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way. Everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.